As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast on The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. No friends and family allowed on this podcast, just like there are no friends and family allowed on Ohio Stadium on Saturday when the Buckeyes host Indiana in what is still a top 10 matchup. Hasn't changed since earlier in the week when Ari and I just told you all the different ways that this wasn't going to be a top 10 matchup. You look confused. What do you got? Did you say there's no friends and family on this podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. This oh, is a strictly yeah. work. That's this why I'm relationship. That's yeah. why I'm confused because, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess there's some hurtful feelings on this podcast too. So, thanks. Plenty Bill. of that. Yeah, plenty of that. That's never in short supply. Never, never with oh, you. Ohio State Indiana play at noon on a Saturday. We're going to give you our picks for that game in this podcast. We've got questions from subscribers, questions from Apple five star reviewers, and then at the end of this show. Ari and I are going to talk about uh, a tweet from the Big Ten Network that caused a little bit of a stir this week about uh, fast food offerings across the conference and which ones might be the best. Um, There's also major issues with the map itself that we can talk about, Uh, but we'll get to that at the end of the show. Ari, let's first give our picks for Saturday's game, Ohio State and Indiana. We'll use, uh, at the latest one I saw, I'm recording this on like Wednesday evening, was 20 and a half was the spread. You want to go with that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I can double check really quick to see if there's been any movement on it, but I think it did open at twenty and then moved to twenty and a half, and I haven't seen it change yet. It's twenty and a half still. 
Yeah, it opened. It was twenty one on Sunday, so it's dropped a, a half. A, I, I yeah, it's dropped a half a point. That's the that's the most that I've seen. Which basically not not much movement at all. I I thought maybe it might come down a little bit, and it hasn't. Yeah, Did you I think it would. No, I I thought it might open a little bit lower and then be higher at close. I think twenty is about where I thought it would end up. I thought it was possible it might open at fourteen and a half. Or something in that range, and people might yep. be tempted to buy it down to under two scores, if you uh, you know had the opportunity to do that. But you know the fact that it that it uh, opened at twenty one and is around three touchdowns, I think is I think it's a good sign for Ohio State because there's no monkey business here. It's just like no, why is the spread only two scores? None of that Penn State. Why is the spread only eleven or thirteen points when you know you think it should be bigger and it's slower? I think that usually makes me have pause about a game. But when you anticipate that it'll be a big, big spread, and it is, I think that's just an indication that this is probably going to be a blowout. So I, I don't know. We're not at the picking uh, point of this podcast yet. That was we can really, be if you, if you picking, want to be. We can be. Picking point in this podcast. Say it five times fast. Popping your peas. I think that Ohio uh, State's going to. Okay, can I just do it? Do it. Just like finally let go. I think Ohio State's going to win like fifty-two to seventeen or fifty-two to twenty-one. <clears throat> somewhere in that range. I don't think they can be stopped. I think Indiana has a chance with Penix to make some big plays. They've got some fun receivers, but I don't think they can match up athletically, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know uh, if Indiana is even remotely equipped to stop Ohio State from scoring at will. So I do think that there are some questions that Ohio State has in its secondary, and I don't want to come out and act like they Indiana might not be able to get a few. They might have a few big plays. So I'm actually going to go down to 17 from 21. 52 to 17. I think this is going to be an, a complete and utter blowout. No no fans in the uh, in the building doesn't change your outlook on the game. How much louder is the stadium with 500 people in it or zero? It's dead silent no matter what. It's it, it, it'll be weird being in there. And that's the other thing like we're allowed in there, but <laughs> but the friends, so you're up in a box there. that's like sealed away <clears throat> from the team. We're also up in a box which is indoors in tighter quarters. Do they open the windows up there? No, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like parents were upset about it, and I, I totally get it. it. Doesn't I understand on like a base level why you wouldn't want people there, but I, I also don't quite get why you can't have two hundred people in a stadium that holds a hundred thousand people spaced out in an adequate enough way. But anyway, um, I am not quite as lopsided as you. I'm forty eight twenty four. And I considered making that just a touch closer. I know I came on this show earlier in the week and I said that I would smash the 21. Um, and then with Tom Allen cried this week and I had second thoughts about that. Yeah. Why don't you How take points, us through that thought process? I just want to know when a head coach cries, and I'm not making fun of him for crying, Um but he did cry during his press conference. And I'm wondering how much, how many points a coach's tears are worth. I mean, it depends on which direction. I mean, four. I took them off my score. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, for any like he was asked about his trajectory and his career. Started as a high school coach um, and like rose up the ranks and was an assistant for a long time, and then like came back home uh, to Indiana where he had coached high school football and got the job with the Hoosiers, and now he's the head coach. And like, it's an interesting story. And he was asked about that, and then he was talking about his family making sacrifices, and then his son had a brutal injury last week and was out for the year, and then he started tearing up. And all that, like all that, makes sense. Like I'm not, I'm not faulting the guy for crying in that moment. But then he said something like, uh, "We're gonna fight like hell, man." And I don't care what anybody says about this stinking game. And I was like, oh, "I might take a touchdown off this uh, margin." 
Yeah, I mean, I think that he's a great coach. I, I do. I just – this is how I've always been since the beginning of time uh, when it came to picking games, but I think rah-rah stuff is only good enough to get you so far. Yeah. Like, I – either you're fast and strong as the team you're playing, and if you're not, then sorry, bud. Like, it's Unless you're Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, and I don't know what happened there, but he had some witchcraft going on. Uh, I don't even Urban Meyer still shakes his head when he's talking about him on TV. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. Game plan, great. I, I just don't know. We talked about this a lot on Monday's show, but what what does Indiana absolutely have to do in order? And Stuart Mandel got a mailbag question about it this week, and he's just like, Penix has to play the game of his life, and they have to turn Ohio State over, and it's just like, how many times do you think they'd have to turn them? I, I, I don't think there's anything that they can do to make this a competitive game. I think there are things they can do to make it competitive. I, for Indiana to win, I think a, like it needs a lot of breaks. And when I say Ohio competitive, just it, let me be clear that I mean that I mean that the game is in doubt in the second half. Yeah, I don't Like in real lot, doubt. Uh, like, if it's 28 to 20 in the like in midway through the third quarter is that in doubt to you because i think that's possible i also do think that you could be watching the game and the score doesn't an indication of whether it's in doubt or not like ohio state technically could have was in striking distance from penn state but the game was never in doubt you know so yeah. i I, mm-hmm. I just when i say competitive i just mean i don't think there's anything that indiana can do to make people fearful at any point during the game that ohio state actually could lose yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Too much needs to happen. Penalties, turnovers, Michael Penix playing out of his mind. Um, that I just don't think. I don't think all those things can break Indiana's way. So you're at fifty-two seventeen. I'm at forty-eight twenty-four. It's roughly the same thing. Roughly the same thing. We're both both picking Ohio State to cover. I feel like I don't. I don't feel. I'm not like on upset alert at all. Which like is kind of a weird thing for a top ten game. Yeah, I'm not either. I I can't get into that frame of mind, Bill, until I have any semblance of confidence that their defense can stop Ohio State. It doesn't matter yeah. who the opponent is. If the defense can't stop them, then how can you possibly put yourself in that mind frame? Yeah, what's the total? What's the total Indiana can hold Ohio State to that thinks you gives that gives Indiana a chance? I, I don't want to sound like a like loser homer right now, but I don't think there's anything that you could say that in, within reason. Do you think that, like, even if you said 20, 28, I guess that would be the danger zone area? Yeah, I, I think, think it's hold under, under 30, 30 yeah. maybe. Yeah. But I just don't see how that could happen. I have a hard time seeing it, too. I just think Justin Fields is playing too well um, for that to be the case. And Indiana does have really, like, it has good corners. Um Probably both of the starters are NFL guys. At least Taiwan Mullen is. Um, he's pretty freaky. Um, but I just think like the way Indiana is very aggressive too, which I don't, I don't know if that's the way to play it. I guess you try to do it because you want to try to knock Justin Fields out of sync a little bit, but he just doesn't get rattled. Like he's unless he's this is going to be the first time it happens. It hasn't happened yet, um, and I don't expect it to. So, do you know what Ohio State's team total is? No, what is it? Uh, Forty-six and a half. 46 and a half. Yeah, that's pretty good. I could see, yeah, I could see like 45 22, like 45 220 also happening. Um, so I think 46 and a half is a good number. What would the game have to look like to you, Bill, for it to be a cover for Indiana? 
Mm, Fields turns the ball over, uncharacteristically so. Um, and Ohio State's tackling issues that were a problem in the second half against Rutgers like haven't gotten fixed. Um, I think the, I think those two things equal a cover for Indiana, but a cover for Indiana can still be a three-score game. I know, but what would the score be? If that were the case, um, like 48-31. Yeah. I'm trying to like talk myself into a cover for Indiana, and I don't even know what the game would look like. I think if, if Ohio State wins 48-31, to you come out of that game with questions. Oh, I don't think so. What would have to happen for you to come out with questions? Indiana routinely moves the ball. Like Michael Penix just 31 does points he wants. routinely moving the ball, isn't it? No, it's four touchdowns and a field goal. I guess that's football in 2020 if 31 points isn't routinely moving the football. That's a lot of points. It's not a lot of points anymore. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think it's automatically cause for concern um, if they got the thirty-one. Depends on what it looks like. Like I said before, I think I said early in the week. Like if these receivers, Ty Freifogel and Watt Fillier, are like running behind Ohio State secondary and they clearly can't cover them, then that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem because you want to know whether or not Ohio State could hold up against Clemson and Alabama later in the year. And clearly, if that happens, then then I don't know how you're confident that they could do it. But um, it could also be. Justin Fields throws a pick. Indiana scores on a short field like it always does. Um, they put together three other scoring drives and hit a long field goal, and that's like a very different-looking 31. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, I don't know. I, I I, I still think it's a game that will tell us some stuff about Ohio State's defense in particular. It, 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 it is a game where if Ohio State comes up and holds Indiana to 17 – or plays really well, like you could feel really good about things. Yeah. Because I, I don't know that, like where would you put yourself right now just as a barometer of like how you feel about the team in general on a scale from one is extremely concerned and blown away by how bad they are and 10 is national championship favorite. Like where are you? Um, Like an eight, I guess. Yeah. I'm Maybe like a, like a high seven. I'm at a seven, I think. I think. I think it's fair to wonder whether or not these guys could cover – Alabama's receivers in a way that lets you win the game. Like you can't cover them for the entire game. That's impossible. But enough that you can still outscore them. And I think that this Indiana team has the personnel to provide some of those answers. Last year during the season, I remember thinking there are no weaknesses of this team. I remember thinking this team is perfect. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but when you really go back and look at where we were week five, week six, week seven last year, if you really broke down, you could go position by position, quarterback, fine, running back, Dobbins, fine, receivers, Olave, fine, offensive line, you know what they have up there. You could do that for every position group on the team, and it was fine. And like this year, I don't think that I feel fine about everything. Yeah, but I don't think you could do that last year after the third game. I mean, it, it happened pretty quickly last year and then it didn't their really there, game, were, there wasn't very much reason to falter last year the running game didn't really get going until the third game against indiana um the defense was kind of dominant from the start but they also didn't play anybody very good um i think i i guess i agree with you but i also when i wrote this earlier this week like i do think 
we and everyone, and it's like a natural thing to want to do, are trying to pretend like we know more than we do at the moment. And I think we need to like recalibrate a little bit and remind ourselves that like Ohio State's only played three games. Yeah, I'm looking at last year's schedule. I remember Florida Atlantic coming out of that game feeling weird. Like, what was that? That was a weird game. Then everybody, remember, tried to build up that Cincinnati game as if it was some sort of huge non-conference tilt, and they won 42 to nothing. Then they beat Indiana by 41. Then they went to Nebraska, and we tried to build that game up as a big deal, a big night game on the road or whatever, 48-7. And then, like, I just like looking at the schedule, it was just blowout after blowout after blowout. I just don't ever remember thinking... You know, there's a bunch of seven, three, ten, seven, five, ten, zero. Like, I mean, it, it it just felt a little bit different than it does this year. And I don't know how much, uh, and you know, you pushed back on me on this earlier, how useful it is to compare the two teams anyway, because the teams that Ohio State has to beat in order to win a national title this year also aren't as good as they were last year. So, you know, every year is a different thing, and trying to match and, and feel as comfortable as, about this team as a past team might be might be a little bit irrelevant. But I'm, I'm just saying right now, uh, based on where we are and the little information that I do have and what we have seen from Ohio State. Offense might be slightly better than it was last year, but defense, I think, is dramatically worse. And, and I think this week is the one exciting thing about that is having an opportunity to be proven wrong that way. And I think Indiana might give them the best shot to do that any other, more so than any other team on their schedule right now. Yeah. No, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I still I still think it's a comfortable win, but I, I think like it's not always that you get a comfortable win where you can actually learn a little bit about, about Ohio State. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to watch it. This is the most excited I've been all year to watch a game, um, even more so than, than the Penn State game. Because I do think while we – and we have a question about this we'll get to in a second. While we poo-pooed Indiana as a top-10 opponent a little earlier in the week, I do think they're a solid team. All right, let's get the questions. <clears throat> Theathletic.com slash 4-6. You can get subscribed there, and you can become eligible to submit a question, or you can leave an Apple five-star review. Leave a questionnaire. We'll get to those two. First question that has to do with this Indiana game and a little bit of history from Cullen B. On November 21st, 2015, Michigan State pulled off an epic upset of the defending national champion Buckeyes in the shoe. Indiana is coming to town exactly five years later. In what ways is the setup for this game similar, and in what ways is it different? Well, Ohio State's not the defending national champions, for one. Yeah, I don't know. Is this the most talented team in Ohio State history? That's a little bit different. Nope. They had really the, good Ohio running State's backs in 2015. They just didn't use them in that game. <laughs> I think the one thing that could be similar is that you look at the box score and Trey Sermon's yards per carry will be about what Zeke's were that game. That might be the only thing that's similar. Wow, that uh, was a little below the belt, Bill. For Ohio State For is, a podcast uh, that goes up in the morning. Well, I mean, just keep it, keeping it real. Um, Ohio State's in a much different place now than it was then. Yeah, and the opponent is in a much different place too, right? Because that was a late November game. That Michigan State team ended up going to the playoff, and they were a legit top 10 team. You know, and maybe Indiana will be laughing at this in, you know, two months, and they might be a one-loss team at the end of the Big Ten schedule who lost Ohio State by 12 and might actually be comparable to some of those Michigan State teams in terms of putting it together the best they can with with inferior talent but that game I don't know that if we're trying to talk ourselves into parallels for why Indiana could win because Michigan State did in 15 I don't really know that there's that many I think you can draw parallels between like Tom Allen and Mark D'Antonio like we were saying earlier um and 
Indiana is certainly up, as upset-minded as Michigan State was then. Michigan State had a history of beating Ohio State to that point, and Indiana doesn't really have that. Indiana hasn't beaten Ohio State since 1988. Um that Ohio State team, by that point, we knew that they had a pretty big flaw offensively, and it was they couldn't throw the ball. Um, and I guess you could say this offense has a flaw and that it can't run the ball. My rebuttal to that would be is that they're an average rushing team and they're an excellent passing team. And that year they were like a good rushing team and a terrible passing team. So I don't think the offenses are nearly in the same place. The overall talent of Ohio State, I think, was better that year, obviously, than it is on this on this year's team. But – you know, aside from the number nine versus number three and the fact that it's happening on the same day, I don't really think there are many similarities to draw between that game and this game. Yeah. Again, feel free to throw that back in our faces when we're wrong on Saturday. It's going to be a long day if Ohio State loses. Yeah. I'm going to get a lot of shit on Twitter. I mean, what, like you'd be the only one who predicted a win? <laughs> That's it's not just predicting a win. It's It's telling everyone that Indiana wasn't good. Okay. Is that a but, good segue to the next question? Yes. Apple question from Sean H. Heard a lot of slander on the last podcast stating how Indiana didn't belong in the top ten. That's not what we said. Um, who deserves to be ahead of them at this point? <laughs> what, we said, what we said was that Indiana is not the caliber of a top ten team. But, like, sure, they deserve to be ranked in the top ten this year because I don't know who should be ahead of them. But what do you think about a top ten team? I think typically you would expect a team that is a little more – um, formidable than Indiana appears to be. I mean, but I could go ahead and answer that question if you want. Who should be in front of them? Yeah, I was looking at a top ten, and like the only funny answers I could come up with were like Coastal Carolina and BYU. I mean, Wisconsin's probably better than them. I mean, we, we're just talking about who's better, right? Who should be? Ahead no, of no. Them? He said who deserves to be a ranked ahead of them. I don't know if Wisconsin's played two games. And one was against Illinois, and one was against the Illinois, the East Michigan. Oh, I guess I'm looking at the five teams that are wrecked. Like, if you did this, let me let's play this game. If you were playing a pick'em game, Bill, and you had to go down the pole in head-to-head matchups with Indiana, tell me it, when you would pick Indiana in these head-to-head matchups. Ready? Ready. Wisconsin. No. Oregon. Uh, yeah, maybe. You think they could beat Oregon? Yeah, why not? Did Oregon become Alabama overnight and I wasn't aware of it? Okay. Well, you. I think you think Indiana is better than I think they are. I think that they I are. Just don't, I, think I think that Oregon. they are a nice beneficiary of some cool circumstance and some big time wins that seemed in bigger than they were. Now that we have more context, uh, they have a nice team that can score some points, but are just fine. I think that Oregon is the best team in its own conference. And I don't think Indiana. Yeah, would be the but best that team conference ever. isn't very good. Like I don't like I don't. I think I like what's happening in Oregon. I think they're going to be a good program. But if you put both teams on the field, like on a neutral field right now, and Indiana won, it'd be like okay. So you think Ohio State would beat Oregon similarly to the way that you predicted Indiana? Uh, yeah. Okay, Miami. Uh, probably Miami. Georgia. That'd be a fun game. Georgia's offense stinks. I think maybe I think Georgia, Georgia would beat them the way they beat Auburn. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Indiana couldn't handle Georgia up front. Oklahoma State. Indiana. Marshall. Marshall, Grant Wallace all day. Coastal Carolina. Go Chanticleers. 
I don't know. I think that'd be a good game too. Be pointsy. Yeah, how many points do you think Kent State could score on Ohio State's defense? I have no idea. I haven't watched one second of Kent oh, State. You haven't. You're really missing out because they're one of the most fun teams to watch in college football this year. Is that Dustin Crum? Is he the quarterback there? Yeah, they're they're like running three plays a minute. <laughs> the pride of pride of Midview, Ohio. Yeah, um, I think Kent State would score like 17 points in Ohio State all in the second half after yeah. the starters are out of the game. But you know, I I I think that the one point that we should make here, Bill, and I know because I always have a really, I have a really hard time of like not sounding rough. Indiana has earned its ranking. They're 4-0. They've beaten Michigan. They've beaten Penn State. They've looked impressive doing everything they could do on their schedule. The only point that I want to reiterate about what we feel about Indiana is that they are not of the caliber of team that you would normally expect to be in the top 10 in, in November. And the good news about this is they're more than willing and more have more than enough opportunity to prove it wrong. So... I don't think that anybody's saying that they suck or that they're not a good team or that Tom Allen, that's not what anybody's saying. But we're comparing Indiana to the team that this podcast is about and the team that this podcast is about is one of the three best teams in the sport. That's not even close. So we're just trying to put it in perspective and and, and bring context to what it is when compared to Ohio State, not when compared to BYU, Cincinnati, Miami, or even Oregon, which I think is an interesting discussion because I don't know that I would pick Ohio State to beat Oregon 52-17. to Um, I think Oregon would be a better matchup than that but you know it's all fun hypothetical stuff and that's kind of what this podcast is about looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Second part of the question was, what would, what would the result have to be, assuming OSU wins, for you to say this is truly Ohio State's top test and that Indiana is deserving of a top 10 ranking? I already think this is Ohio State's top yeah. test, so <laughs> I, uh, uh, nothing. But if it's a two-touchdown like two game, like good on Indiana. Like If it's a two-touchdown game, then Indiana is better than I'm giving them credit for at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that the misconception here is that Ohio State has to almost lose for it to be a test this year. It's like I, maybe the Penn State game will turn out to be the biggest test because it was, in theory, close. But moving forward, I don't know that I would pick any other team in the Big Ten to give Ohio State a closer game. Yep. Oh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably it. Um, this is meant on their schedule, but I guess you yeah. can add them to it. Right. Uh, here's a question from Aiden K that gives us an opportunity to say something nice about Indiana. He said, giving Indiana credit where it's due, is this the worst top ten game the Buckeyes have been in? The other one that comes to mind is 2016 Nebraska. And I'm glad that he added that at the end because I don't know if I would have remembered that was a top 10 game. But that 2016 Ohio State 62 Nebraska 3 game is going to be way worse than this Indiana game. Was, going was that to the year where Nebraska like inexplicably started like 6-0 and or something? 
Yeah, they were like 6-0 or 7-0, and and then they lost the week before to Wisconsin, I think, in overtime. And then they still stayed in the top 10 and then came to Ohio Stadium and got their doors blown off. And that was Ohio State beat, uh, I think it was Nebraska and Maryland back-to-back, like a similar 62-3 to kind of scores. And we're like, the offense is fixed. And then they won and lost to Clemson 31 nothing. Yeah. I think going into the 2016 playoff, I thought that Ohio State was going to beat Clemson. So, hey, clown face. But anyway, this is not the worst top 10 game that Ohio State's going to play because yeah. that game was infinitely worse. He answered his own question. That's what I love he about did. Aiden. I'm sure he yeah, asked a few you. more, though, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. There was, we had uh, 30 questions in the in the queue, and 27 of them were for Uh All right. Let's get off Indiana a little bit. Apple question from Anthony5707 with a five-star review. When do we see the Juice Man break out? That's Jamison Williams for the uninitiated. And how important is he to the team's success down the road? Does he have to become the Devin Smith deep guy for the offense to be truly unstoppable? Uh, to answer the second part of the question, the Devin Smith deep guy is Chris Olave. So no. Um, I was going to say, don't it, they already have one? <laughs> yeah, but it would help them if Williams were to break out and become like a very solid number three, right? Oh, for sure. He's averaging 17 yards of reception this year. I think he's always yeah. going to – it's never going to be like the four-yard out, four yard out guy. I think it's always going to be boom or bust with him. And, uh, yep. you know, he's shown, I think, flashes. So it's funny because of how crazy good this this uh, receiver room is. You kind of lose track of who's got what. Uh, Garrett Wilson has got 24 receptions. Chris Olave has 18. No other receiver in on the team has more than 10 catches. Which is Does a, any other receiver on the team have more than like three? Yeah, I mean, uh, Najigba, Smith Najigba has five, Juice has three, and that's it. Fleming has one. He's dropped a few. Um, but I kind of like the way this is. Yeah, the problem with – like I was all on the Juice Man breakout year um, train, and then they've played way more with two tight ends than I thought they would, and I think that's fine. I do think they need – a little more versatility because I, th- I think you can become a little predictable with some of the stuff they do when they play with two tight ends. But it's a major part of their protection in addition to their run game and their play-action pass game. So I think that we'll see a lot of Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert. Um, I am curious if they do work in Juice Man a little more. But I think the other thing to consider, too, is it doesn't seem like there's much separation between him and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think when you talk about like who's the third receiver working in, it could be those two guys like somewhat evenly. Um, so I don't know if a true, true breakout happens, but I do think it is important for them to find a third guy. And maybe the third guy is Jeremy Ruckert, but a- another guy besides Olave and Wilson to threaten a defense so that if someone wants to come out and really sell out on those two guys, you have another way to beat them and threaten them. I feel like Williams has been open, and in the times that he's made catches has shown good hands. Like It's yeah. been a very small sample size, but I think that he has already been impressive. Yeah, I do too. I don't like. I don't think he hasn't played poorly. It's just that he's he's playing alongside two guys yeah, who yeah. are really good, yeah, <laughs> and have a really good rapport with the quarterback right now. Does the team need another breakout receiver? Um, do they like need one? No, yeah. I don't think. They I don't need think one. they do either. Um, but it'll be nice to have one. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a lug. It'd be a lug. If he or Jackson Smith, like, I think they already something. have. I think they already have. I know that they don't. They don't have the stats to prove it yet. But I would have every bit. I'd have as much confidence in the world if they went on stepped on the field against Alabama right now that those guys could get open in that game. Interesting. I don't know if I'm there. I, but I, yeah, I can be nudged. I think I can be overly negative and overly positive, and I feel like I feel like 
these guys have the look about them. You know, I don't know which one I, is better, but that catch. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I think that if you are in a position where you can ask a question on a podcast and like you're interested enough to hear what we have to say about something that I'm surprised that the energy was used to ask about the third receiver because I feel like if I were in that position, that would be like the 50th question on my list. Like in terms of like hmm. worried about things that could happen to this team, and I and I oh, think that yeah for sure, and I yeah. think that it's interesting that he did because as fun as it is for Olave and Wilson and to watch them do what you want to do, you want to see the guys that you followed in your recruitment. Like I'm not I'm not coming down on the question. I'm just saying from a confidence standpoint, that is the least of Ohio State's concerns. Very much so. Um, and just real quickly on in terms of those guys looking good, like Jackson Smith's touchdown was nuts. Um, I'm working on a story about, about that, by the way. Hopefully, it'll run next week. Um, Are you call him the little giants who put glue on his hands. What's that? No, <laughs> hot hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jamison Williams' touchdown catch against catch against Rutgers was like sneaky, kind of really good because I don't know he either he overran or Justin Fields underthrew it just a bit, but that became a much more difficult catch than it needed to be. Um, and I thought Jamison showed pretty good hands and reeling that in, even though there was really nobody around him. Okay, next question. From Kobe M asking a question that I feel like has been a bit of a theme this year, or at least it was coming into the year. People wanted to compare these two teams. Last season, LSU won the national championship with a historic offense and just a pretty good defense. How would you compare Ohio State's offense and defense with that of last year's LSU team? I don't know that if if you've gone down this road yet, but have you tried to internalize or to think about LSU's offense last year in relation to what you see out of Ohio State this year? No. um, You gone down that road? No. Yes and no. Like statistically, yes. But I also think that what what LSU did last year is very different from what Ohio State does this year. Um, Like LSU was like very RPO heavy, I think ran more plays. Um, And Ohio State's a little more methodical, a little more pro stylish, I think doesn't run as many plays i think the passing games are, are very different um there are some similarities in the run game and i think there are some things from lsu's run game that ohio state can maybe try to mimic moving forward um but i'm like i'm hesitant to compare them stylistically but in terms of production i think it's fair and they're kind of similar i like i looked at the numbers like lsu had more yards per game but like the yards per play it was 7.9 for LSU at 7.2 for Ohio State. The rest of the numbers are like kind of similar. Um, Ohio State runs the ball a little more and, and has more rushing yards per game. The defenses are more similar than the offenses in terms of yards per play and points per game. It's all pretty even. Um, LSU is better on third down defensively. That's about it. Like That's the biggest discrepancy on that side of the ball. Um, everything else is, is kind of like remarkably even. Um so I guess like I I agree with the sentiment I guess if it's like can can Ohio State be built in a similar fashion be kind of dominant on offense and, and just okay on defense and win and I think yes um, even if the numbers aren't quite the same as what they were for LSU last year because that was like a historically productive defense or offense and this is not quite going to be that I think that the idea of this question and we appreciate the stat breakdown we know if we can count on Bill to do anything it's to have the have the numbers ready. That's right. I think the idea of the question is if your offense is really, really freaking good, can you win a national championship in the same vein as LSU did without having the most dominant defense in the sport? 
And I think that the comparison is to try to like figure out whether or not you can feel like Ohio State is this year's LSU in the sense that I don't think they're going to go into January feeling they've got the best defense in college football. And I don't think you're going to feel as good as, as you did about your defense a year ago. But at the same time, it's just like in those bigger matchup games, not even statistically from week to week the way you just broke it down, but against Alabama or playing a team like Oklahoma maybe, does Ohio State win games or do they have the ability to win games in similar fashion? Where you might let let some things through, you might be down early, but you, when your offense gets going, it just is a it's a it felt like an avalanche. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. everybody always makes fun of me, and you are like the leading brigade of making fun of me about this. But last year, when Ohio State or when LSU was playing uh, in the national championship game against Clemson, and they were kind of struggling in the first quarter, I made a tweet that was scrutinized pretty heavily, uh, both from friends and family. But um, then all of a sudden, after I tweeted that I felt like Ohio State was the best team in America because they had been better than uh, Clemson for a large portion of the Fiesta Bowl, then all of a sudden it was an LSU avalanche. And it was just like, that was it. Once LSU's offense woke up, it didn't even matter that their defense was giving up some scores every now and then. Like, nope, they couldn't be stopped. And I think that that is a really awesome model to kind of put yourself against because Ohio State's got really good athletes and can get stops um, you know periodically against the best teams in America but I think if this offense gets to be what I think it is then it's not going to matter and all this quibbling over do they give up 30 points or 26 or 17 against Indiana is going to be nonsense and all that's going to matter is how many how many uh, points into the 50s Ohio State's going to score into these big time games and I think that's what this team is kind of like yeah no I agree with all that um and you can win a national title that way, which is, I guess, is like all that matters. Like, is it is it built in a way that you can win a national championship? And I think yes. But I also, again, not to belabor this point, Bill, LSU had a really good running back last year. Yeah, but their running game, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, was really good. He's better than what Ohio State has. But like their running game was not. They averaged 166 rushing yards per game. He was more involved in the pass game too, which is worth pointing out. Um, but it's not like they were mashing teams in the running game. And I think Ohio State's offensive line is better, even though LSU's won the Joe Moore Award last year. Um, question, both two questions on similar topics, both pertaining to the offense. Uh, Peter W. said, I feel like, especially in a tough game, Ohio State's offense should just throw the ball 90% of the time. A combination of fields and incredible receiving quarter plus solid pass protections equals a team that could impose their will against others through the air. And then G. Nilly followed up with that with, with the best quarterback and receivers in Ohio State history. Should the Buckeyes pass more than 40% of the time? Now, before I get your answer on that, a bit of a misnomer with that statistic. If you look at the production, Ohio State is running it, it's like almost 61-39 in favor of the run. If you count all of Justin Fields' dropbacks, which are called passes that don't end up with a ball being thrown, it's more like 53-47 in favor of the run. So that 60-40 split is not quite accurate, but they are running the ball more than they're throwing the ball. What do you think about that? I think that Ohio State could win a football game if it didn't hand the ball off to a running back once. <laughs> yeah. I think they could beat Alabama without throwing, without running it. I don't know about that. <laughs> the thing with them running is is their – and I guess if they decided to do it differently, they'd still be explosive and productive. But at the moment, their passing game is tied a lot to play-action passes. So you have to run. Even if you don't run it well, you still have to run. Um, 
which I think is also a misnomer. It's like I don't think you don't have to run the ball extremely well to be a good play action pass team. You just have to be willing to run the ball, which is why I think that the run game will always um, be a little higher than the pass game. But if they decided they wanted to throw it 70% of the time, I agree they can beat just about anybody still. Yeah, I just don't know. Sometimes it's just like the whole balance thing always seems a little bit overrated to me. It's not about balance. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's a little it's a little overrated as well. But like, if you line up and run play action and you never run the ball, it's not going to work as well. Yeah. So you just have to do it a little differently. Spread it out. I just it I just don't know out. that if you have Olave, especially in a situation, let's say Juice Man arrives in the previous question, Juice Man or Jackson Smith and Jigba arrives is a really good option, and I think they already have. But let's say that they are proven entities at that position. Ohio State lines up in a two-tight set or one-tight set with two or three uh, receivers out there. I don't know. Pick your formation, Mr. Madden, pick a playbook guy. I bet you I don't think there's any defense in America that can line up toe-for-toe with that offense on a passing play and stop them over and over and over again, even if they know it's coming. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with that. Yep. Um, And I think they will, in closer games, throw the ball more. Or in more talent-equated games, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, I pulled this question because I just wanted you to talk about it. Uh, Apple question from Defense Mike. He says, we talk often about the schools in the 5 to 15 range that are good but haven't been able to break through and be sustainably elite. Most of the programs that have broken through or seem to be equipped to do so are southern schools with the expectation or the exception of Ohio State, which, if any of the programs north of the Mason-Dixon line, are equipped to break through and be sustainably elite alongside Ohio State. North, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the north. Um, I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion on this podcast. I think Michigan has the ability, and I know you and yeah. I disagree about that. I think Penn State has the ability. I mean, these teams are, are teams that have massive stadiums, great tradition, resources, academic state. I mean, they've got everything that all the other – they just don't have the proximity to the talent in the South. And the reason why you see such a um, lopsided result when it comes to Southern versus Northern teams is because most of the best players in the country are in the South. And proximity to the talent is the most important thing. But Ohio State has been able to break through this because, not A, not only can they also – recruit the south and the west but they also have a very solid recruiting foundation in their own state and you know penn state is kind of in a tough spot because i think pennsylvania is in a very uh i just think pennsylvania is a tough state to recruit because it's a long state it's got two separate cities that in philadelphia and pittsburgh which i've learned from my co-host here are very different cities um but you know east coast talent new jersey philadelphia pittsburgh there's enough talent in Pennsylvania if Penn State gets the right guy to kind of change the tide there for Penn State to be good. If Michigan gets the right guy, they can recruit Ohio internationally enough to be good. But in terms of whether or not we're, there's going to be like an LSU of the North, it's like I don't think there's an answer to that question, Bill. And, and if I'm forgetting somebody, let me know. But it's been 100 years of college football plus, and that hasn't happened yet. And like mm-hmm. Notre Dame might be the answer there because Notre Dame is – historically one of the teams that has been a powerhouse football program but based on academic standards the fact that they don't have um, very much talent in the state of Indiana anymore and that Ohio State has risen to um, a team that is going to go toe-for-toe for for every five-star prospect in the Midwest like I don't know that that Notre Dame has it either 
So it's just like the reason why these teams are down, you can like kind of draw a, a real straight line between why are these teams not as good as they used to be and how can they be better? And a lot of the answers are recruiting challenges. So like LSU has seven to 10 top 10, top 100 players in Louisiana every year going there. Alabama has a direct line into Florida and Texas. I mean, these, these teams that are really good in the SEC have all this access to talent that just doesn't exist in the Midwest. So unless these teams hire a dynamic personality that can get out into the road and not only take the five or six players that you have to take in your own states or in your region every year and then equate, and then add on with recruiting California and Texas and Florida and getting the, the guys that can give you a top five class, I don't know that you really can. But right now, north of the Mason-Dixon line, Bill, what are the three answers? The only three that I could come up with are Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what else it could be. Like a – a program that I think could be more than it is the moment is like Minnesota, but I don't think it, be, it can become what what was asked in the question like sustainably elite. Um, sustainably elite means like means a team that is going to be in the college football playoff discussion every year. That's how I took mm-hmm. that. And yeah, no, that's how I took it. Too. And I don't even know. I think it's possible that Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame are stretches in that. I think Notre Dame can. Like, Notre Dame is always interesting to me because it doesn't have in-state talent in Indiana, Bill, but it has that embassy thing where it can right. go into every Catholic high school in America and sell that environment. And there's no other competition outside of Boston College that can match that while also claiming to, to prioritize football. And, like, Notre Dame has a five-star prospect out of California for quarterback coming to play there next year. And, like, I don't know that Penn State could go get that guy. I don't know right. that Michigan can go get that guy. So maybe Notre Dame is like the, the team that kind of edges out the other two. Um, but sustainably signing uh, 12 players in the top 100 in 10 or 15, the way Ohio State is, Ohio State is about to sign 12% of the top 100 players in the country. And it could be close to 15% depending on how the rankings and, and um, some of these high-end recruitments of five-star prospects that haven't committed yet shape up. I don't think Notre Dame can do that, but I think they are the best option right now because they've at least shown that they can recruit somewhat on a level that's necessary to win a playoff game. Yeah, I, I think that's the answer. The answer is, is Notre Dame, and like if Michigan wanted to recalibrate what it is and what it thinks it should be, then, then maybe they can get up there too. Um, but at the moment, I think the only reasonable answer is Notre Michigan Dame. Michigan is about to sign a top 10 class with a dysfunctional recruiting strategy. Yeah. I mean, if you add in the right coach and then they get Donovan Edwards and they get a few of these five-star prospects or top 50 prospects in Michigan that are going to LSU and Notre Dame and leaving the state, you have more than enough of the nuts and bolts in the state of Michigan right now, especially as Detroit is showing that there's a ton of talent in that city. The nuts and bolts are there for Michigan to sign top five classes every year. And once they start doing that, if they add the culture and the development piece with the right coach, then you put yourself in a position where Ohio State has a scary game every November. And I know that people think that that's impossible to beat Ohio State and that Ohio State's too much of a juggernaut for Michigan to compete head-to-head, but I disagree very heavily. And I think Michigan is on the verge of making a change, and if that change is the correct one, I think you're going to see the, the, the rivalry start to shift back to what it should be and at least be more entertaining than it is right now. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Speaking of Michigan, a question from Kevin C. With the continued success of Cincinnati and the chances of Luke Fickle uh, of a Luke Fickle coaching change increasing, what is the most likely scenario? And he lays out four. Fickle takes a bigger job and brings Marcus Freeman with him. Fickle takes a bigger job and Marcus Freeman becomes a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, assuming Greg Madison retires. Fickle and Freeman stay put in Cincinnati and wait for the perfect job, or they both go to Michigan. I think the most likely answer yeah. is is E, Fickle goes somewhere and Marcus Freeman becomes the head coach at Cincinnati. But that's not one of the options. Of these four, I think the most likely is they both stay put for now. You don't think it's A? Fickle takes a bigger job and Marcus goes with him? This year? I mean, I don't know. Uh, if it's not Michigan, no. I don't know what the job is. So that's What's the problem. Jo- what job's yeah. going to open? Yeah, what job's going to so, open up that he take? And I, I, I guess E is a good addition there uh, if marcus freeman do you think is the perfect candidate to replace fickle there that's who i'd hire yeah they're not going to go to michigan i don't think so if they don't go to michigan i don't know that there's any other situation but i also don't know that i'm 100 percent sold on the fact that franklin is the head coach at penn state next year and if that opens up then i think this question becomes a little bit more interesting because i don't think yep. that he, fickle would go to michigan but i do think that he would go to penn state I think there would be – yeah, I, I wonder how much butting your head against Ohio State would factor into any decision he makes, but I definitely agree that he would – I don't think he'd consider Michigan. I think he would consider Penn State for sure. He's got a, he's got experience recruiting Western Pennsylvania too. Yeah. In addition to Ohio. Yeah. He'd do well there. I think he'd do really well there if you want I do to. too. I, I think he would be – what I think he what would Penn State look like under Fickle? I think it would look like it uh, it does right now, but more success against Ohio State. Like it looked like D'Antonio's Michigan State on steroids. Yeah, good. Um, but I think like I I truly think and like again I don't talk to Luke Fickle. It's just just based off what I think I know about him. The only the only jobs I think he'd consider taking are Ohio State, obviously, Penn State, and Notre Dame. At the moment, like I don't think he'd go take like South Carolina if yeah. he got offered that job. Or do you think Fickle would be as successful as a head coach if he were out of the Midwest region? Um, because Penn State's not the Midwest, right? Penn State is not in the Midwest, but you can recruit the Midwest. Yeah. And I guess I suppose you could argue that you re- you could recruit anywhere from any school it's like these if they days. Just but hired Fickle to go coach UCLA or something. Would you be confident in his ability to succeed out there? If they gave him time, yeah. Like not right away. I, I think he's a good coach. So I think whatever whatever situation he'd walk into, I think he'd improve it immediately from just a football standpoint. But when you're talking about getting like totally out of your comfort zone recruiting wise, I think it would just take a couple years. Yeah. So, but I do think, yeah, I think he's a good enough. I think he's proven to this point that he's a good enough coach that he could succeed just about anywhere from a pure coaching acumen standpoint. Um, we can jump around a little bit here because we don't have much time left. That's a- uh, recruiting question from Scott E. Other than the two five stars from Washington, who else is realistic to fill out the rest of the twenty twenty one recruiting class? Bill and I did this thing about uh, um, for Google, and we were talking about this. Um, 
on a quick 10-minute podcast we did for them, and he said that he thinks there's a chance that it could be done at 22. Do you want to kind of explain what you were thinking on that one? Yeah, they have 20. Like, if you just look at what they have, they have 20. The, the math the math always figured itself out, but it's a little hard to peg at the moment um, with the extra year stuff this this season. So I think it's those two, and then like if they can flip Rayshon Davis from LSU, the five star, or I guess he's a four star linebacker now um, from California, like they would definitely do that. That's a guy you always have room for. But short of flipping him or adding like an in state offensive lineman late, or maybe going after a receiver if it looks like you're not going to get Emeka Ibuka, I don't. I I think like at most. Do you think they would? I'm not even sure that receiver's a need right now. No, I don't. I don't think they would have to. Um, I guess they could, but I don't think they'd have to if they if they thought they were going to get him. But the fact that they're not doing it tells me that they 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 don't really seem to have like any irons in the fire at defensive line or receiver in case they don't get either of those guys, which I think should make people confident that they're going to get those guys. I know that Tristan Lay came to Ohio State for the Buckeye Bash, but it seems like they're distant third right now. He did not. He did not. Go oh, he ended Ohio up not State. going. Yeah. Are they a distant third? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're in the mix at all. I think there's a zero zero point zero percent chance they're going to. So get if you look, at, if you look at the um, top remaining targets on their list, you have two of the top eight players in the country still left. Mm-hmm. They add those. They might not win the recruiting crown because you don't win recruiting crowns with um, twenty two commitments. But I do think that. They're in a really good position to sign the best class in Ohio State history, and um, I also like the idea of not taking kids as forcing it if you don't want if you don't need them. I don't I don't know what what the point of taking a a player at a position that you don't need is. I never have. Who would fall into that category? Like if they had to find a replacement for Egbuka, if they just like went and found some oh yeah middle tier receiver, like what is what does that do? With yeah. This, with what else they have coming in, I think like that all these, these freshmen, are luxury you know. takes. I think that yeah. JT Tuomalau is the number one target, obviously, because of the position that he plays, and you always want to have as many. I mean, he's listed as a defensive end. He's been listed as a defensive tackle. I don't know exactly where Ohio State projects him. Maybe as a pass rush outside, but like you want that guy in your team a thousand times out of a thousand, and that's a need. You always have a need for a, a disruptive uh, defensive lineman like that, but I think that right now they're in the luxury zone when it comes to the skill position players on offense. Similar recruiting question from Jason W. Ohio State currently has 20 commits for 2021. Of the 10 not ranked in the top 100 of the composite, and there's actually 12, I think, ranked in the top 100 now, um, which are you most excited about? So which player outside of the top 100 are you most excited about? And then he says, which is most likely to get early playing time and make an impact as a true freshman? Mm-hmm. I have my answer. Out of the, the top 100? A guy who's outside of the top 100, and it can't be the punter. Okay, so then I can't believe you even have a you haven't even have an answer then. Yeah, well, yeah, because the answer to who's going to play earliest is the punter, Jesse Mirko. He'll probably be their starting punter next year. Um, the guy I'm most excited about is Jansen Dunn. He is uh, four star safety. I think he's like ranked like 168 or something like that. Um, he moved down to 198. Uh, he was one of the reasons why their average player ranking fell. Oh boy. Um, he is very explosive. He's big. He's like 6'2". He's very explosive. He needs to get a little bigger weight-wise, but his highlight tape is very fun to watch. And I get huddle tape is only the good stuff, and it's never the bad stuff. But when you watch that guy, like you can see, you can see how he might be a a um, 
pretty dynamic guy on the back end free safety of Ohio State's defense. Or if he got much bigger, maybe he can do some of the stuff that, that Josh Proctor's doing now. Um, but his sort of athletic traits are very appealing. So he's the guy I'm most excited about outside of the top 100 in terms of like who can play early outside of the top 100 like i don't know really if any of them can maybe tyleek williams because they're a little thin at defensive tackle um but they're also bringing in some guys that are going to be ranked higher than him in that class so i don't know if any of these guys ranked in no spots get on the field early other than the punter um because they're going to be kind of not not set of the positions but they're going to be behind some guys when they get here is it cheating to say marvin harrison jr (laughs) no He's, acting, he's, he's 104. Top under. Uh, yeah. No, I just like it's fair game. It's Marvin Harrison's son. Like mm-hmm. that would be fun. I I I think that's kind of cheating because it's basically a top 100 player. I think Zen Mikowski is an interesting name because like he's Zen. the lowest rated prospect on Ohio State's recruiting class. It's not a punter from Australia, and I think he's super athletic for his size. And I don't know that he's necessarily going to be somebody who steps in and has playing time in his first or even second year. But I think it's possible, depending on how he um, continues to develop once he's on campus, that he might be a really good offensive tackle in the future. And I'm really excited about him, not necessarily because I think he's going to be like the next coming of Orlando Pace, but I think that this person and this recruit specifically is going to tell us all we need to know about what Coach Studd is doing as an offensive uh, line coach in in this position right now. If he hits mm-hmm. on this guy, then I think he has earned a little bit of slack for being able to uh, not only go out of state into a place like Indiana and get a prospect, but also um, evaluate him. <laughs> I mean, because like – yeah. This is a guy who was committed elsewhere, and Ohio State wanted him. They offered him, and I know they missed on a few guys. J.C. Latham's kind of a tough one to swallow still as we sit here in the middle of November. Uh, But I feel like this guy has some low-key crazy athleticism, and I'm very excited to see how a three-star prospect who's like 550 in the country pans out because this this isn't a five-star player that you get excited about, but he's also much, much better than the uh, low-tier in-state prospects that they signed on the offensive line the previous class. So I think there's somewhere in between on this one. Love the offensive line pick. Uh, last question, Tyler S. says, uh, Bill, what's your prediction for birds against the Browns this weekend? My prediction is that uh, Carson Wentz will throw the ball to the wrong team and that I'll watch hoping they put Jalen Hurts in the game and they won't do it. That is my prediction for the Eagles versus the Browns. When the Eagles were Sunday. losing to uh, the Giants on Saturday, they were like plus 350 to win. And I hopped on for some fun, and let me tell you something that wasn't fun at all. <laughs> yeah, they're a, they're a bad football team. Yeah, right it now. was it was pretty they're hard not. to watch that. Do you think the Browns are going to yeah. win? Yeah, I do. It seems like the type of type of game the Browns is going to doink off. I don't know why. Is the spread yeah, like bad. two? I don't. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're probably more evenly matched than the records indicate. Certainly. Um, I don't even know where the game is. I think it's in Cleveland. Um, You'll have to come back to our next podcast so Bill can break down exactly where everything went wrong with the birds. Yep. Tune in for bird talk next week. All right. Uh, this, this is a good time to say that our uh, – is the athletic podcast Birds with Friends? It's Birds with Friends. It's the greatest podcast name in the history of podcasts. Yeah, that's why I wanted to say it. <laughs> yeah. Birds okay. with Friends. Uh, we're now going to talk about fast food for like five or six minutes. So if you want to tune out, be my guest. Thanks for listening. Uh, there was a tweet from Big Ten Network earlier this week that says, 
Happy National Fast Food Day, which like, I can't believe you and I didn't know was happening. And then it said, which regional favorite in the Big Big Ten country is the best? And it has a map of the whole thing. And there's different uh, fast food places kind of in each state. Um, Do you want to just map it out for them so they can picture it? Sure. In New Jersey, it's Sabaro, which is hilarious because Sabaro is based in Columbus. In Jersey, Mike's. <laughs> Pennsylvania is Wawa and Sheets. Maryland is Roy Rogers. Ohio is Wendy's and Skyline. Indiana is Steak and Shake and White Castle. Illinois is Portillo's and Jimmy John's. Michigan is Domino's, Jets, and Little Caesars. Wisconsin is Culver's. Minnesota is Dairy Queen. Iowa is Split Pizza Ranch and Panchero's. And then Nebraska, of course, is Runza. Is Dairy Queen a Minnesota thing? Yeah, remember the guy eating a dilly bar on the field at the Ohio State? No, I know, but is it like, how do they make this map based on what people like to eat in these places or where these places are headquartered? It appears to be both. Um... I think for the most part, it's where they're headquartered, from what I can tell, except for Sabaro, which, again, is headquartered in Columbus. And is uh, Ramsey uh, from 11 Warriors is like, I lived in New Jersey, never saw Sabaro. <laughs> it's like the top half of the state of Sabaro. Um, but if, otherwise, I think this is mostly where things are based. Um, and, and, yes, Dairy Queen is Have based you, in Minnesota. Let me ask you this before we go into rant mode. Have you ever eaten at Pizza Ranch? No. Uh, I was going to one time, and then I like read a review, and it was like, don't eat here. I was like, okay. And then I went to Where a were restaurant. You? I was in Iowa. I was in Iowa. I think I went out there to do like a story on DJ Carton. Oh. Um, and cover a basketball game. And I think that's when I that went that went that was. I, I thought I've I had like Pancheros and never very had. interested in, in Pizza Ranch. Pizza Ranch is like a is a good name. Like it's a, like it's a I, I just feel like if if you it might not be the greatest thing in the world, and I saw people that compared it to CC's, but I just like want the experience. I want to know what it is. It's not even yeah. so much I want to go there because I think it's going to be the best pizza ever. I want to go there to know that like what what the deal is. And there's one that's five hours north of Dallas, so maybe one of these days you you can fly out and we'll take a road trip up. That sounds. There's great. one Let's in Kansas. I've never been to Kansas. I would like to go to Kansas. Trust me, of all the states that you can drive through, that's the last one you should worry about. I just got to hit them all. I know. Okay, so I, I ranked mine. This mortal coil. I ranked mine. Do you want me to read my rankings and then you can pick them apart? Well, I I figured let's I figured we each do our top five on this map. Okay, do you want to go uh, one by one? Sure. Start from the bottom or from the top? Bottom. What are you? Okay. What is this? Number five. Yeah. I have Jets. Number five. What did you it broke up? What'd you say? Jets. Jets Pizza. Oh, okay. My number five is Domino's. You didn't have yeah, so I think I like Dom or Jets a little more than Domino's. But I think they're kind of the same thing. Um they're not the same thing because Domino's has the best cheesy bread in the history of pizza appetizers and that is yeah. what puts it up t- I mean Jets is good. I like Jets deep dish. I think it's fine. And I think that the pizzas I think are probably pretty comparable depending on like what mood you're in. I guess because they, do they even have hand tossed at Jets or is it all deep dish crunchy like that? It's Detroit style, right? So it's it's Detroit style. I think it's all like that. Yeah. So I like Jets. I like Domino's, but the the cheesy bread option at Domino's just puts that over the top. I I think that's fair. I I think I I try to judge these places on like what your main offering is. Um, and I like Jets pizza just a little bit more than Domino's. And I actually think Domino's main offering has gotten much better in the last three or four years or whatever they it's did not, it's pretty good and they've got thin they've got deep dish and they've got regular hand toss and i like all of them i think domino's mm-hmm. is legit plus 
plus that cheesy bread. I mean, and it's also dough and cheese, so it's like mainly pizza. I, I think that it, you, I would take it a hundred times out of a hundred. Number four, what'd you have? Roy Rogers. And I know that's kind of a weird thing because I don't have Wendy's on my list and people like freaked out about that. But I think Wendy's is the worst uh, fast food chain because I think their fries yeah, suck and crazy. it takes forever to get it and it's too expensive for what it is. And, um, you know, listen, I like all fast food. I'll eat all of it. It's not that it's gross. I just Roy Rogers has a really good fish sandwich. Shocker to hear me say that. And I have a lot of good memories smashing it on the Pennsylvania Turnpike on drives out the East Coast up to New York and Boston and stuff to see my friends. Although it's a very limited location. There's, I've only ever seen it on the PA Turnpike. Yeah, it's based in Maryland. Um, I really only ever seen it on the PA Turnpike, turnpike too. Um, I don't really like it all that much, um, so it's not on my list. Number four for me is Portillo's, which is also a place I've not had a ton, but it does have a very diverse menu, and the hot dogs are good, and the whatever they call it, the beef sandwich, Italian I don't know what beef sandwich, Italian beef is, is pretty good too. So I put Portillo's number four. That's more, um, I think, a statement about this list in general than it is how I actually feel about Portillo's. Portillo's is probably the best restaurant on this list because it's like the highest quality probably, um, and it's my number three. I like their diversity, and I like their hot dogs. Number three for me was Runza. You, I don't, do you like Runza? We talked about yeah, Runza I liked it. I've only been there one time, so I didn't like rank it. Uh, it's number nine on my list. I think it's like tasty from what I recall, but I haven't had it enough to like. I know you really liked it, and it's not there. I'm not there with you, but it's not because I don't think it's good. It's because I haven't had as much exposure to it as you have. The first time I had it, I was like, "This is different," but it's not the greatest thing I've ever had. And then I went back a second time when I was covering Ohio State Creighton basketball, and I got it again, and it was pretty good. And I got the chili that time, and I thought the chili was good. Um, so it's it's kind of an odd thing. It's like a it's like a meat pocket with cabbage and like shredded beef, um, and you can get cheese and stuff in there. So I get if you don't like it for sure, but I that that appealed to my palate, and I liked Runza quite a bit. Um, Okay. And I think I know I think I know you're one and two and I believe ours are flipped. Number two for me is Wawa. Yeah, I'm surprised and I almost feel like a poser for taking your number one. That's my number one, and then my number two is Culver's and yours is number one Culver's. Culver's is number one for me. Culver's yeah. is legit. Okay, I love In N Out. Okay. I think Culver's mm-hmm. is the best fast food chain. I uh I think I might agree with you. I, I just don't know if it belongs in the same category as McDonald's because it's more expensive. Like um, it's like it's almost like Five Guys, but it's a drive-through, so it's like hard to decipher. Yeah. I, I think that, but their burger quality is good. They've got a great fish sandwich, and if you've I love their burger. If you've listened to me ever talk about uh, fast food, fish sandwich is always part of the discussion because if they have it, I get it. I love fish sandwiches. Um, but they also have, like, cheese curds. They've got – their fries are crinkle cut, which I think is the worst type of fry. Um, hmm. But, yeah, if you, like, ra- did, like, f- type of fry rankings, crinkle would be by far my last. Interesting. But I like crinkle. They're, they've got those – the burgers have flavorful meat and are charred in a way where you have, like, higher quality beef. I think Culver's is delicious. Big fan of Culver's. They have a pretty diverse menu. As well, they, the cheese curds there are great. Yeah. They have a pretty good uh, dessert menu as well. Um, I really like it. And I also appreciate the way that they serve their burger. They like wrap it like halfway in paper, and it makes it easier to eat while you're driving. So why did you go Wawa too? I'm surprised. Wawa I'm surprised. holds a very, 
holds a very special place in my heart. I love Wawa to death. Um, but I just try to be real about like the quality of the food. Like it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. The quality of the food at Culver's is way better. <laughs> so I didn't want to oversell Wawa. Um, but you also but, have to put the diversity in there as well. And like, do you yeah, think that Culver's has I more diversity? Get, probably not if you go item by item. But I also don't like. I get kind of the same thing every time I go to Wawa. I don't. I don't really explore the menu. What's the at Wawa thing that you can, get at Wawa every time? I get a turkey hoagie of some variety, or I'll get. Well, I guess it depends on what time of day I'm there. If I'm going there for lunch or dinner, I get a turkey hoagie. If I go there for breakfast, I'm getting a sizzly breakfast sandwich, probably a pork roll, egg, and cheese on a plain bagel. Um, and then I'm getting a Wawa chocolate milk or a Wawa iced tea again, depending on what time of day it is. And then no matter what time of day it is, I'm getting a soft pretzel. Okay. Well, first of all, the gobbler is back. <laughs> The gobbler. Yeah. I had the gobbler and Wawa in November once, and I think that is the best uh, sandwich I've ever had in my life. Without without question. It's pretty good. It's, like, done other places. Um, no, I know, but the one that I got at Wawa specifically was life-changing to me. And that's it's why... It's very good. That sandwich the reason it's, is the reason the, Wawa was one on my list. The reason Wawa's version of that sandwich, I think, is, is better is because the Wawa's rolls are better. Yeah. But... Um, um, no, it's it's good. I just don't like it. the food. The food is like not out of this world good. It's it's pretty solid, um, but I think Culver's is more solid. But I also love love the chicken. I love the pretzels. I love the mozzarella sticks. And the thing mm-hmm. that I love the most, and I don't know if you ever got this, but they have a pepperoni melt bagel there. Yeah, I've had it. I love that thing, and I don't feel like you can get a pepperoni melt anywhere in Columbus, Ohio, like that. Like, where would you go to get... If you wanted a pepperoni melt, you'd have to make it at home. Like, it, I think that for yep. whatever Wawa is, if you want a Thanksgiving sandwich with turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce, if you want chicken uh, tenders, if you want a great Philly sub, if you want a hot pretzel, if you want mozzarella sticks, and, by the way, it's got every single, like, gas station snack chip, and they've got great hot dogs. Like, I would... like. Of all the things on that list to like live off of, if I could only eat one of them for the rest of my life, Wawa is the play. Yeah, I respect that. I respect that. Um, maybe I didn't want to be predictable, and that's why I put Wawa second. I but thought I do, you were going to be think, mad at me for doing. I've Wawa had it. I've it, had it so much. Like I, my, I've had Wawa like far too many times to count. So um, I think I approach the food a little differently than you do because it's not. Like, you go to Wawa and you're excited to go there because, like, you don't get to go there very often. It's like, I go to Wawa. I was like, oh, this is my 10 millionth time in Wawa. Yeah, I go out of my way. Like, when I was in Florida and I remember they had them, I drove 25 minutes out of my way to eat there. Yeah. Also, not really, like, it's not in western Pennsylvania. It's not in State College, Pennsylvania. It is near, like, Rutgers and Maryland. But, like, Wawa is very much not, like, a Big Ten food establishment. <laughs> yeah. So, it probably shouldn't even be on this list. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like these lists, and I think that it's cool because I've got a very particular fast food taste, and I think it's a little bit different than what everybody has. And people think I'm trolling, and I'm just not. Um, but I'm happy that you and I arrived at the best burger. You know, I, yeah. we had a similar list, I think. Pretty similar, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what on here? I do not like Roy Rogers the way you like Roy Rogers, and I think Steak and Shake's gross. I don't know where you fall on Steak and Shake. It I don't like Steak and Shake it. or White Castle. Yeah, Jimmy John's is fine. If I had a top 10 on this list, Jimmy John's would have been in the top 10. There's a sandwich um, at Wawa that has uh, turkey, graving, and mashed potatoes on it. Like every gobbler. every every single uh, 
variation of hot um, Thanksgiving sandwich that a person can have they have there. Yeah, you can do damage there for sure. They don't sell beer. Sheets sells Sheets sells beer, which uh, depending on your your flavor, I think can uh, can tip the scales a little bit. But Wawa is is legit. I do miss it. That was my biggest uh, regret about not being able to go to the Maryland game last week. It was not the inability to go to Philadelphia and see my family. It was that I wasn't going to get to go to Wawa. So that hurt. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. I yeah. My biggest regret from leaving Columbus, Ohio, is that I don't live in driving distance of one now. <laughs> Maybe I'll move one down in uh, down to Texas. There's some in Florida. Mm-hmm. Go over there and, get, and grab a grab a gobbler. I ate there. Runs out. I went to Jacksonville um, last Jan. Was it this January? This previous January? Yeah, for Sean Wade to yeah. write a story about Sean Wade's decision to return to Ohio State, and I ate Wawa three times. Love that. In two days, it was three of my meals. Pretty jealous about that. It's pretty good. That's, yeah. that's, how, I mean, that's, I feel called, like that's how you, you live. You question my Philly about me. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, because you're not from there. No, yeah. I know. I know. But you think that – I'm not saying that I am Philly, but I think you think I like things just because it's cool to like shit from Philly, and it's not. I actually think it's a tremendous place to eat. I don't think it's cool to like shit from Philly. <laughs> No, you know I what I mean. Like I always like cling to the things that you like, like your steaks and your sandwiches and the types of things that you like. I, I've clinged to since I've gotten to know you, like pretzels and things that you tend to enjoy that I've tried to like kind of buy in on. And like I want you to know that like I don't like it because you think it's cool or that it, you like it. I no, like it's it because you've had delicious. it and they're delicious. I get yeah. that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's fake. Okay. I think when you say John, that's fake. But <laughs> Dude, this is the that. best John we've done. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap this John up. Uh, <laughs> If you listen to that, thank you. I don't know why you would have, but we appreciate it. Thank you uh, for listening to another episode of 4 to 6 with A&B. If you like what you heard, even if you don't, you could be nice anyway and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And again, you can leave questions there for future mailbag episodes. Theathletic.com slash 4-6 is where you can get subscribed to The Athletic to read our stories and also submit questions that way. Ohio State, Indiana, Saturday at noon in Ohio Stadium. I will be there. I'm excited for it. And we'll be back after the game later over the weekend to dissect everything that happens. We'll talk to you then.